0: This week in Forex and Strategy Game News, we have updates on Planetfall, Galciv 3, Endless Space 2, and much, much more.
1: Troy. Hey Troy, welcome to the show. Thanks Nate. How are you doing tonight? Uh, under the weather. If people hear my voice is a little off. Hopefully it's not the recording. Oh, <laughs> I'm hoping we worked out those bugs. It's um I'm just I'm under the weather. I've been working insane hours the past month and now it's rolling into February and it's just it's brutal. Anyways, um so, you know, if anything's off, let us know. Yeah, but, I'm uh, um,
0: fighting off a sinus infection myself right now, so the audience may hear me sniffling in the background, and if you do, I apologize. It's the crazy weather
1: we've been having lately. Oh my God, that weather. Oh wow, this past week, the polar vortex.
0: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and, and, then, and then like today for me, it was in the 60s, so like oh no. it's, it's just messed me all up.
1: Oh no, uh, for us, it's in the 20s.
0: Wow! Yeah, I was I I was warm today. I didn't even run the heat in my house. What? That's crazy.
1: Anyways, let's uh, let's get on with the show. So the first news item today is um, the reveal. This is the last, I believe, the last major faction in um, Civilization Six: Gathering Storm, and these are the Phoenicians, and it's being led by Dido. Now, if you remember in Civ Five. She didn't lead the Phoenicians, she led Carthage. So that wasn't exactly correct. And they fixed it this time around. And interestingly enough, uh, Carthage makes a reappearance in the game because that is the name of her unique ability. It's called Founder of Carthage. And what's cool about it is that it lets her move the capital to any of the other cities by completing a special project. And basically this, this movement means that if you happen to be on like multiple continents or something like that, and you're starting to suffer from uh, cultural upheaval, like you know, there's all this pressure from other civilizations around you and you're about to lose your city, it's about to go into revolt. So if you move your capital, boom, problem solved. Also, if your city is under siege, or you're under attack and you're afraid of losing your capital, you can move it. Now, I don't know. during there's a, We're going to have a link to the stream that they had. But during the stream, uh, even they weren't sure if moving the capital like that meant that if they captured a former capital location, whether that counted as your capital. So they, even they, they couldn't answer. They'll probably clear it up in the near future. But that's the first one. Um, Another thing is when you construct the government plaza, it opens uh, additional trade routes and it increases production towards um, districts where you have the government plaza. Now, another ability, unique ability is called Mediterranean Colonies. And basically what it says is um, it unlocks the writing technology at the start of the game. And coastal cities that are on the same continent as the capital are 100% loyal. So what that means is if you're able to settle on the coast or if you're playing like, you know, you control the continent and everything on the coast or something that's near a different city that's exerting pressure, you don't have to worry about cultural flips. And that goes towards what I had said earlier. If you conquer a city on a different continent or settle a colony, I mean, a new city on a different continent, you're having that problem. You can swap it and... Until your city is strong enough to stand on its own, I suppose you can have this one hundred percent loyalty mechanic. Now there is a unique district called the Cthon, and this this replaces the harbor. It's cheaper than the harbor, and um, it speeds. So the thing with the Phoenicians is that they had a, the, at the time they probably had the strongest navy in the world. So now this is going to be reflected in the game. So if you have this um, unique structure, you get increased production for naval units and settlers. And any naval unit that's within the borders of your city, this is huge, can heal in a single turn all the damage that they've taken. So this is basically like a naval sieve now I'm going to talk about this briefly a little later, but just something to keep in mind. Now their unique unit is called the byreme, and this is basically um, it replaces the galley, and this is it is stronger. It is faster and it can protect friendly trader units when they are within four tiles of the Bireem. So let's say you have a path between like your city and maybe a city state and somebody has been pillaging your trade routes, Barbarians, I don't know, or different Civ. If you have your uh, Bireem near it, it'll protect that trade route. That trade route cannot be pillaged. Now, here's, here's the thing. I like playing naval games in Civ. I really do. But there's a problem that the Civ AI is not very good on the water. It doesn't really know what to do with itself. And by in- adding these additional components to the game, I don't know if the Civ AI will actually get to use it versus uh, use from a player. So we'll kind of have to see how that goes. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah, for sure. The AI, especially when it gets new do stuff like this, it just seems to have trouble adapting.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, anyways... Uh, We've had some uh, new info come out for Planetfall, so why don't you tell us about that?
0: Yeah, for sure. So, Age of Wonders, Planetfall is getting new dev diaries here in the new year. And this one is talking about the tactical battle maps. And this is all really cool. So, like, if you've ever played the Age of Wonders series, you know that combat takes place on a separate map from, like, the strategic world. And each iteration of the game, those tactical battle maps, got a little bit more complex. Well, now they're going to whole new levels, and this is just fantastic. They're showing off some of the graphics. The graphics are very detailed. And also, with the tactical battle maps, they're telling you a bit of a story, too. So, the beginning of the Dev Diary shows how the developers are using... The ruins and the wrecked cars and the corpses of people to try to tell a story to the player as the player plays the game. I thought that's a really neat use of setting elements to add to the narrative. Now, in these tactical battle maps, there's going to be special areas. um, And you can capture these areas or make use of them. And one of the ones that they show here is a, a science facility. And you can use the science facility to accelerate your research. Now, they don't go into detail about how that would work. Like, is your research accelerated based on the number of turns you control it? Is it just uh, something that's on the battle board that represents what that tile might be useful for in the real game? So it doesn't explain exactly how that works, but there's going to be certain areas within each battle map, or within certain battle maps, I should say, not necessarily all of them, that you can capture and get bonuses from. Also, it talks about some of the actual mechanics, and uh, no doubt that they're taking some inspiration from squad tactics games. So, for instance, you can get on the high ground. In this, especially if you're defending, you should start on the high ground, which gives you a bonus to your accuracy. There's going to be lots of areas for cover. There's going to be an awful lot of ranged weapons in this game. You you can imagine, you know, people be using plasma rifles, laser guns, and who knows what else. So a lot of ranged combat in that. So so cover and choke points are going to be really important. Also, you can upgrade your defenses, like for tiles that you own, with turrets. And some of this, some of the maps, even have traps or dynamic features that might change during the battle so for instance one of the ones they give as an example is like there's a essentially a channel of lava and it's being used by the factory to generate electricity one might presume and if units move across it they'll be damaged now the damage is minor but if they get stuck on that particular section They'll continue to take damage. And the small amount of damage, if they have to cross it multiple times, will add up during the battle. So all that's really friggin' cool. And then it shows off a few more of the monsters. Like there's these uh, quartzites that you might have to fight. And uh, they are essentially healed by electricity. So anybody using energy weapons will have a tough time against them. And then also it talks about sort of the high-end tactical battle maps where the star union was doing very fringe scientific research that may borderline on getting in touch with the spiritual. So they're almost more like shrines or temples mixed with technology rather than just a pure science center itself. So that's really fascinating. I'm going to be interested to see how it tells the story through the combat in this game. And I can tell Nate they put a lot of thought and effort into the tactical battle maps for Planetfall and I think the game's really gonna be enhanced by that.
1: Absolutely. They they basically iterated on the combat system in Age of Wonders three and they added elements that are now in squad tactics games like to further you know, like to add this additional detail to combat. Because, I mean, already the combat in Age of Wonders 3 was pretty much the best tactical combat for any 4X, in my opinion, that's at least terrestrial. I can't speak for space, you know, different people have different opinions. But if you wanted, like, tactical combat in a 4X, Age of Wonders 3, hands down, had it. But now they're taking it to the next step. Now, um, what you're discussing, like, with the temples, we'll, we'll see. I'm curious to see where they go with that. But at the same time, it almost feels like they're reusing a bit of what they had in the, you know, the fantasy game and bringing that element to the sci-fi game. So, uh, you know, like I've said before, sci-fantasy, you know, it's a perfect example of that. Okay, well, this is another, speaking of another game that's uh, different, Empires and Runes this past week, uh, they put out several updates. And this is the 4X Tower Defense Hybrid. And this is set in... Um, I I don't know, I would call it like late renaissance, pre-industrial age kind of thing. And uh, they introduced four new maps, like combat maps. They have uh, all kinds of fixes put in, they're putting in improvements. They're going to be showing the game at EGX. And basically, there's going to be a link, click on the link, you can see this, I believe this is... um, this is the new beta is out as well. So all of this is being introduced in the new beta and they are, they have a little teaser showing one of the characters from the game. They're talking about a new artist to join the team. So it's really cool. I, I'm very, I I like what they're doing with this game. I, I'm not personally a fan of tower games, like tower defense. I never got it. And there's a, many variants on it. And I'm just like, that's not for me, but When I played Dungeon of the Endless from Amplitude Studios, I was really enjoying myself. And if whatever it is that got me to play Dungeon of the Endless can be repeated, and I'm not asking the guys from Empires and Runes to do it. I'm just saying that whatever chord it struck with me dungeon of the endless if empires and ruins does it then you know what maybe this is a for me personally again not speaking for anybody else but for me this could be a big surprise game for 2019 because you know we're always talking about hey let's see 4x genre try something new why are they always doing the same thing over over and over and here's you know here comes a game that's trying to do that so i'm curious to see you know it could be a big surprise this year and i'm i hope it is i definitely like the setting and I've been talking to the one of the main devs, and he's a really cool guy, and he's very interesting. And like they're really paying a lot of attention to details. So, yeah. Let's see how that goes, right?
0: Yeah, yeah, for sure. I, I think that it's a fascinating game idea, and I really like how the devs interact with the fans. I think uh, they're doing a good job of building a good rapport with their target audience. So I'll be mm-hmm. interested to see what happens with it when it comes out. So next we're going to move on to Gal Civ 3. And uh, if you didn't know, the Retribution DLC is coming out soon. And um, in this week's article, or or really, I should say, Dev Diary, it talks about where is Retribution compared to the other major expansions or DLCs for Gal Civ 3. You have Mercenaries, Crusade, Intrigue, and Retribution. Now, Crusade is one that Everybody really remembers it. One hour expansion of the year uh, a couple years back. And, you know, people think about that as the expansion that saved Gal Civ 3. And honestly, we, we saw quite an improvement in the number of people owning it and playing it when Crusade came out. So there's a strong case to be made for that. Well, this dev diary makes the case that Retribution... Will be an even larger and better change for Galciv Three than Crusade was. So what what's going on here? Well, you're getting some new playable species, you're getting a new campaign, and also it's adding brand new mechanics to the game. For instance, hypergates are being an- added. So if if you didn't know, um, Galciv Three. There's nothing like star lanes in it. Instead, it's like they flatten space. Space takes place on, or the game takes place on a two-dimensional board, more or less. And your ships can move wherever they need to go along the hex tiles. That takes time. Now, with hyper gates, you can establish one in a system you own and then another gate in a different system you own. And then establish a lane, a hyper lane between them. You're going to cut that time way down. And so what that does is it makes it possible for you to use like a really good starting planet, like your home planet, to speed up the development of a new system. And how do you do that? Well, you do that with one of the other new mechanics, the cargo ships. The cargo ships can be loaded up with essentially supplies, but mechanically production. So the cargo ship gets loaded up with production points. You send it to the new system. Uh, It... The ship itself gets consumed and the planet gets a boost in whatever it was producing. Now, let's say you finish something before the ship gets there or you weren't building anything at the moment. The planet will store those production points. You won't lose them, which is a huge deal. Like that's that's really cool. You can you know, like if you know that you're researching a new tech that's going to unlock a new building and you want to be able to build that very quickly you can go ahead and start sending these supply ships out to your different planets, store that production, and then as soon as that building gets unlocked, you can build it really quickly. Also, the game is adding in artifacts, and we haven't learned much about the real nature of these artifacts, but what we do know is that you are going to start with one at the beginning of each game. So you'll start with one, you'll have the opportunity to collect more. In addition to this, uh, the tech trees are getting a big revamp, And, like, I didn't understand everything that was being said in this. Uh, I think I'd have to play it to get a better grasp of how the tech trees are going to be changed. Now, I think there's going to be a lot fewer of the plus one bonus to this, plus one bonus to that sort of techs. And then a lot of these techs are actually going to do things for you and increase your strategic choices. So that's definitely appreciated because, honestly, technologies where it's just a bigger bonus to a thing you already had is kind of boring and lame so anyway that's kind of it for that update and then we got another dev journal uh on january 31st and it's not like it's really giving you any new information it's just contextualizing the information in the other one that i just talked about it basically tells a narrative so you're starting off on earth and you built a spaceship and you know it it has this sort of um, contrived storyline where you're space dock is building a colony ship and then the colony ship gets attacked by one of the new species that's being introduced in the retribution expansion and then how does earth react to that what do you do with your new ship you're meeting all these new aliens you discover like uh something called a barnard star which is a leftover factory from an ancient spacefaring civilization and all your scientists want to get in on it and study it and all this sort of thing so essentially the second one is a narrative walkthrough of Mm -hmm. what the new mechanics of the game might be like for Mm -hmm. you just kind of showing how showing you how they work what they would mean Mm -hmm. in a more story-based context so i found it interesting it was kind of fun to read um Not necessarily uh, the most informative dev diary I've ever read, but one of the more entertaining ones, that's for sure. What were you about to say,
1: Nate? Oh, Brad likes doing these let's play type things where he's featuring different. Um, I guess aspects of upcoming content, and he's done them in the past. And depend, like if he's talking specifically about combat, he'll run a bunch of different combat scenarios and explain to you what's happening, and you know how he's adjusting to the AI and vice versa. So that's kind of what this is. So part of it is the narrative that's in the story, like like uh, almost like questing, but then part of it is also his own uh, role playing of it. You know, so right kind of showing you so just. Here's the thing, when you're playing a Forex, and when I say you, I don't mean you or me. I mean in general, as a person playing a four X game, you can either play it like cut and dry, right? Or you can internalize it and you can add your own narrative and you know, build the story in your head of how this game is going. And that's kind of what he's doing for you. He's sharing, he's sharing with us this game and how it's progressing in his head and why some of the decisions he's let's playing it. he's role playing the the you know like mark would do stuff like that on various solaris videos on our youtube channel so it's kind of like that that's what he's doing here so it's cool i really like it it's interesting it's interesting because a it's fun and b sometimes you know he's doing things and it's like i would have never thought of doing that that's cool thank you you know so Okay, well, let's continue. Since we're ready in space, let's go ahead and continue with another game. Now, this is for Endless Space. And um, they released about a week ago at the time of recording, just under a week ago, they released something uh, like a dev blog called Overshooting the Stars. And it's kind of like an overview of their... Um, Endless day weekend, like the free weekend, and you know what happened. So basically, during it was an endless space two challenge, and you know uh, people playing it. You could download it if you don't own it already. You can download it for free and basically give it a spin, kind of like a demo for four days. Check it out. And every system that was explored added to this total, and I think it was something like three million five hundred systems explored, supposed to be explored over four days, but I'm pretty sure they. The community or the players did it in under four, like maybe three days, even maybe even a little bit less than that. And it opened up a bunch of free content that's going to be made available to us in the near future. I believe there's a a new minor race, a new hero, uh, either unique quests or maybe unique ruins, unique planet, a couple of other things like that. But it's all like linked to this minor race. So that's kind of cool. So they do this every year. Like each year they do something else. Sometimes they release a couple of heroes. Sometimes they release different things. So that's what it was this year for Endless Space 2. Now, another thing is, is that um, basically they made Endless Space 1, the complete version of the game, free. Woo! So you could download the full version of the game and it's yours. Do with it what you will, you know? So if you were trying to download it, now I don't know if that was permanent as in, you know, forever. From that day on, anybody can go and download it for free. Or if it was something that they gave out for free as part of Endless Day, no, it's forever.
0: It, they plan it. It's supposed to be free forever now.
1: No, but I mean, like, if you go on Steam and you grab Endless Space, no, 1, I don't think it's on
0: Steam. I think you have to go to their Games Together website to right, get it for right, free. Right.
1: Right. So you have to join if you're not already a member of. Site you join and you like follow a process and you get it it's worth it it's a pretty unique setting i mean this is where i go and i post on our secret vip forums and we discuss all kinds of cool stuff behind everybody's backs you know because that's what we do so yeah so they were talking about that and then they so they also talked about symbiosis which was the expansion friendless legend penumbra the expansion friendless space 2 big thank you to the community you know this is really cool. We got a lot of stuff coming, so it's just you know a little summation of what went down the past week. And you know I, I'm, I'm so sad that I can't see from Steam Spy like the sales numbers. They have this other new algorithm now, but I just I don't know. I don't know how accurate it is with all the changes that Valve made to Steam. I don't know how accurate it is. So I'm not. I I don't know. I mean, you'd be the one who'd know better, right?
0: Yeah, I. I I don't trust it any more than just like you know a decent guess. It's yeah at it's, best. Yeah at best at best it's a decent guess and it, and it, the margin for error is so wide that it's hardly worth talking about. Which I'm bummed about it too. Uh, yeah. You know it, it's a shame. It's a shame it happened. But well we got to move on.
1: Yeah, but not like it's interesting. I mean this is something. This is a topic we'll have in the future. We'll talk about either in a future wax or maybe even make a double X show out of it. But talking about the changes the valve has undergone due to all of the competition coming at it from all sides. So I'm I'm just not feeling so hot today. So I don't have it in me to have a long soapbox discussion. So maybe we'll do it in a couple of weeks or something like that. But anyways, let's move on to the next news item. Yeah.
0: Yeah, sounds good. So now we're going to talk about space sector Or wait, No, nope, sorry. Star sector. It's uh-huh. easy to get those confused. Star Sector is. is made it by is. Fractal Softworks, and uh, it got a massive update on January 31st. In fact, it's huge. I'm not even going to try to read some of this to you. I'm just going to hit a few of the highlights. So the campaign was overhauled quite a bit. Uh, a lot of the build times for industry structures and upgrades were increased uh, quite a bit. Pirates were nerfed a little bit, and for instance, their bases can't spawn in the same system as quickly as they used to, which makes sense. So that's pretty good. Uh, Also, uh, combat total battle size was increased when you're attacking a station, so it gives you more options, or at least theoretically gives you more options for how you attack that. Um, A few updates to the UI to make it a bit more user-friendly. Also, uh, ships were changed a little bit. For instance, the Harbinger changed three medium hard points to energy was synergy before. So uh, you'll have more energy available for those. Uh, the AI was also overhauled quite a bit in this update. So, for instance, it was having trouble... Well, I shouldn't say trouble. It was just doing things wrong. Like, for instance, it would use uh, an ability like energy focus or something like that that would increase the power of its laser beams. But it would use it sometimes when the laser beams were on a cooldown. So that was pointless. And now the AI won't do that, or at least supposedly won't make those kinds of mistakes where it activates an ability for a weapon or, or some other item it's trying to use when it can't use it so that that should help out quite a bit make it a little bit tougher to play against the ai uh modding support was improved for the game and it's a lot of stuff having to do with api that i don't understand because i'm not a modder but quite a bit was uh, let's see here i'd estimate between 20 and 30 bullet points just for modding so people who enjoy modding uh Star Sector really got an update. Maybe that'll be your thing. And then about a million bugs, which is always uh, (laughs) kind of uh, intimidating to see when there's that many bugs they had to fix. Um, You can tell that the game was having some real problems, but on the bright side, there's probably about 50 items that got taken care of in this update. So naturally, that should uh, improve the gaming experience for anyone who's trying out Star Sector. Right now, from again, that's from Fractal Softworks.
1: So, Abs- absolutely, absolutely, yeah, big, huge update. Um, click on the notes, that... yeah, click on the notes, it's all there. It is, it looks like something the paradox would be envious of.
0: Oh, or um, predestination.
1: Oh, yeah, we haven't spoken about that in a while. Well, we haven't they haven't done anything, anything from... in a while. Well, that's probably why we haven't spoken about it,
0: yeah. So, anyway, there is that. So, um, Nate. I think you had a really cool idea here. You wanted to highlight one of the threads from our forum.
1: I did. As um, I don't think I don't know if you did it on purpose, but as part of your coverage of Star Sector, you had mentioned changes to the AI and like how the AI plays the game. And in our forum, we've had this past week a very interesting thread about AI. Basically, should stronger or improved or more challenging AI? be made available through DLC. So basically, um, you know, you buy the game, you have an AI up to a certain difficulty, and then the devs, they're like, okay, we're going to really, really put the effort in and make this AI like super awesome. But if you want access to this AI, you have to pay extra for it over what the game comes with. You know, so like usually in most games, the AI is a pushover, and to compensate for that, the AI gets all kinds of free units and bonuses and technologies and cities and God knows what else. So hopefully it gets enough of a head start that it can stay on it, and if it gets like a good starting location, maybe it can give you a challenge throughout and like the AI will gang up on you and things like that. But you know, a lot of times that stuff is not fun. I'm not asking when I play, I'm not looking for the AI to represent another human player because if I was, I would play against another person. You know, I just want the AI to simulate another civilization. So it feels like I am not playing by myself. I don't know. I don't know how to explain it better than that. So the question in this thread was, you know, does an AI that qualify for that kind of an improvement, should it come separate in a DLC so people can support it? Or, you know, what will happen if they did that? Is that going to fragment the game further? Like, you know, they're selling you the game piecemeal. It's already happening in a lot of genres. So is this just, you know, people like, no, don't even say that, don't give them ideas. Other people like, no, that's actually a good idea. Then the various thread Uh, Posters got into discussing, you know, uh, the singularity and like AI being real AI versus artificial. Meaning, like, is it truly an AI or is it just following, you know, really complex instructions? But does that mean it's an AI? Is it really thinking? Is it adapting? You know, all this stuff. So this thread, like, went and I mean, it's still going and. I just wanna we'll have it in the notes. I want people that if you haven't seen it and you listen to the show, click on it, go check it out. If you're you know, if you're a forum member, add your two cents. If you're not, here's your chance to, you know, join and let people know. It's a very interesting discussion. That's one of the reasons why I'm personally not participating in, because sometimes when there's a good discussion, if me or one of the other mods jump in and we start, you know, speaking our mind and it's almost like we're, you know, pushing our weight around, you know, oh, And then people like, it cools the conversation, so I'm kind of staying out of there. But if people want to discuss it with me here, we can do it in the comments to the podcast. So I wanted to, you know, bring a little bit of attention to this really, really cool forum thread that I like. Okay, and with that, I think it is time for us to talk about this week's game in the What Is section. And this game is Conan Unconquered. Now, if you don't know who Conan is, I'm sorry. (laughs) read a book this is um so there's conan from the books who is written by one by one of my favorite authors of all time robert jordan his under his reel so robert jordan is a pen name i uh what what was it it was howard i can't think right now i'm so tired and i don't feel good i can't oh my god i can't i can't believe i don't remember are you are you
0: trying to think of robert e howard
1: Yes. So that's Yeah, yeah. That's, he was the so, uh, yeah,
0: the guy who wrote the original Conan series.
1: Right. So Robert Jordan at some point kind of So Robert Jones... Anyways, long story short, this is the Conan series, and this game is based on that lore, which is different than the Conan movies from the 80s with Arnold Schwarzenegger, which, by the way, were a lot of fun. They're really good. So so Conan Unconquered is an RTS set in the Conan world, and it looks a little bit... This version of Conan looks a little bit like Arnold Schwarzenegger, a little bit, but it's made by the developers or... Veteran developers at Petroglyph. These are guys that can that worked on Command and Conquer. So this is like a. To me, it looks like it's a hybrid between three games. Between it has some Command and Conquer mechanics, it has Age of Empire mechanics, and it has Stronghold mechanics. All three are RTS games of different types, and that it it's like it's got fantasy elements to it, obviously, and it's got you know that um, like Bronze Age combat. With some elements that came later from the Iron Age and things like that. Or is it Iron Age, then Bronze? Which one comes first? I think Bronze came before Iron. Okay, so Bronze before Iron. Okay. So, anyways, so it's really cool. You have. So part of it is that RTS. Another part of it is like you have horde mechanics in here. And now you can have two-player co-op. You have legendary heroes. You have, like a, you have to survive. So when a battle is over in a lot of games, one, once the battle, you know, like you have an ongoing battle and you move, well, the bodies and the leftover stuff sort of disappears somehow but not really in real life. When battles pass, there's lots of carnage and bodies and disease and all kinds of stuff left behind death plague. And that's kind of what happens here. So even though if you lost the battle, you might've laid the foundation, sown the seeds of the next victory because the retreat, the winning army could cap, could catch a disease or something like that, you know? So it's, it's really neat. There's a lot of neat mechanics. Um, it's set to come out this year they don't have an exact date quarter two so basically spring anytime supposedly if it's not pushed back in the spring so uh link is in the notes click on it check it out again i'm not a big rts player i just i don't have it anymore but it's definitely a game that i like i would if this was a turn based game i'd play it i'd like it so that's it for today's what is section and um I've run out of topics that I had set up a, at the beginning of the year. So this week, I'm going to research a whole bunch of other games and start up for next week's show. We'll have new ones coming up soon. Not that any of you guys would know, or gals would know this, but this is behind-the-scenes stuff that we do at ExplorMidate. We do research. So, all right, man. Why don't you tell us about the uh, January's poll?
0: All right. So our question was basically, what was your Forex Game of the Year from 2018? And... Uh, We had a lot of voting participation, which was great and awesome. And, uh, well, first, I'm not going to start with the winner of the poll, but I'm going to start with something else that struck me, is 25% of our voters abstained. So that meant that 25% thought that there wasn't anybody that really deserved it. Now, 10% went to the goofy response that you already put in there, so I'll disregard that. But 25% made the conscious choice to say that none of these games really qualify as a game of the year. And I thought that was quite remarkable. But the game that won was Warhammer 40k Gladius Relics of War, whatever the whole name of it is. And it got 40% of the vote, which is awesome. And that was likewise our 4X game of the year. Uh, Next up was Northgard with 14, then Space Tyrant with 10. But I'm not too surprised that Gladius won. I am surprised that a quarter of our voters thought that nobody really deserved it. So uh, mm-hmm. that that's interesting. I think we need to run that poll every year, Nate, and then see if that sort of thing is uh, a consistent yeah. feature among the yeah. people that vote on our site, or if this particular year was an anomaly.
1: Yeah, definitely. But I mean, based on the comments and the reviews and in the game of the year podcast and in the thread that was on the forum, a lot of people agree that Gladius was the winner. Now, here's the thing interestingly enough, 2018 did not have a lot of new Forex games. So that probably could have had something to do with it. I also know a lot of Forex players are kind of burnt out right now. So we will see if this continues into 2019 but I mean I know so far already we've had a lot of good stuff come out it's only been a month and there's already a bunch of good stuff and there's more coming so I'm excited for what 2019 has to bring and maybe 2019 will be the year that revitalizes forex or maybe not who knows we'll kind of have to wait and see and speaking of polls our newest poll is up and this is this poll is directly related to conversations I had with various people online and offline, meaning like not in our forums, but like through Twitter or Patreon or wherever. They got in touch with me. And like they're they're surprised when I tell them that I don't have a lot of digital launch platforms, meaning stuff like Steam. And they're like, don't you have a, oh, you got to have a Battle.net account. Nope. Oh, you got to have a Uplay account. Nope. Don't you play Fortnite? Nope. Well, what about GOG? Well, I have it. I I might maybe I have one game on Gog. Maybe, probably not. I don't remember playing anything on it. Everything I have is on Steam. Or I have like my PlayStation, but that's separate because that's a completely different ecosystem than Steam. And I don't have Humble Bundle. I don't have uh I don't know what else is there? Origin, right? Right. Is there am I missing any? Uh, yeah battle bethesda, net. but well i started with battle net bethesda oh, yeah bethesda's one like i don't it's like i choose to play on steam for better or for worse i kind of you know tethered my boat to their dock and i'm not planning to go and rebuy all my stuff somewhere else and there's again this is back towards that conversation that i really want to have but I just don't have the strength to have it today. And I'm really sorry about that. Maybe this will be in a future weekly exchange. Maybe it'll be a double X. We haven't had one of those in a while. This is actually a really good, hmm, gives me ideas. We'll see how this week goes. But yeah, so that's, um, that's that. And uh, I think with that, let's move on to games we're playing. So I'll start this week. So this week has been long. (laughs) That's the best I got. That's it's long. It's been a long. And this weekend is long. I don't know. man. I have a feeling 2019 is going to be long and busy. But having said that, I haven't really had a lot of time to play. There's a bunch of stuff I want to play. There's stuff I need to be working on, but it's like, I can't, I can't work on things when I have to work and I got to do stuff at home and kids and wife and this weather's crazy. And like, there's all these things and it's difficult to get five minutes to sit down and think much less a couple of hours here and there to write, you know? And and I apologize for stuff that we're being laid on right now. And it's just, I'm sorry. There's, I don't know. This is not my primary job or my second or even tertiary job. So it's like, you know, you you guys said last week, like if you need a break, take a break. Well, it's not about that. I'm not worried about any of that. It's just stuff is going to come. It's going to be good when it gets here, but until it does hang in with us and yeah, Thea too. That's it. That's all I got to play this week. And I had, I don't know, most of it. I think I played this afternoon with my son and, um, Remember how I was talking about, like, developing narrative in a game? Like, you're developing your own narrative in your own head? Uh Uh-huh. So, let me tell you this little thing that's happening in my Thea games. So, one of the things that I'm trying to do is I'm... So, in Thea, you basically play as a human. But you have other uh, races there. You have orcs, you have goblins, you have dwarves, you have elves, you have demons, you have... And all kinds of others. So, what you're trying... So, what you can do is... You can try and recruit members from other races or uh maybe you're like there's birthing events where kids are born to thea is is not an empire game this is like a village game it's very small you know you might if you're lucky if you play long enough you might have 60 or 70 members and that's it you know you're not gonna have tens of thousands it's just not gonna happen so within the game you you can have characters that have kids which is fun and in my particular game i have two goblins and in my head, they're, I guess, married or with one another. So they had two kids. And then all of a sudden, one of my goblins had a kid with another member of the village. And in the back of my head, I'm, th- I'm screaming like, Jerry, Jerry, Jerry. And of course, <laughs> if, you don't know, if you don't know what I'm talking about, this is Jerry Springer. If, you're a, if you don't watch American TV, I don't, but I, you, I know who he is. So it's kind of like one of those scenes and like in my head I have this narrative playing. So like what's happening now with this couple and like I'm about to found for the first time a second uh, village and as a result of that like they're going to they might split up and move to different parts and bring their different kids with it. <laughs> it's just like none of this is happening in the game but you know you're creating this narrative in your head and my son is sitting there and he's like Dad, what do you mean Jerry? Is that what you're going to call this kid? And I'm like yeah, yeah, Jerry. That's what I want to call this game. But in my head, I'm like, Jerry, Jerry, you know, it's just, it's fun. That's, that's the thing. That's what you need from a game. If a game cannot give you that kind of fun, at least to yourself, if you cannot enjoy it in such a way, it doesn't matter how good the game is. That's for me, by the way, what makes XCOM so good and what makes Battletech good is that you have that flexibility, you know, in a lot of 4X games, you don't, you know? Yeah, so. without doubt. So that's it. That's all I got this week maybe an hour. And all of it is offline because as soon as you go online, there's like four updates and it deletes your save. So I'm like, no, I'm staying offline. I don't care if it's not tracking my hours. I need to save my game, you know?
0: Yeah, for sure. What about
1: you? Uh, Man, first off, I haven't been feeling well this week. So mm. I
0: didn't feel like playing very much. And then I've yeah. been awfully busy. So yeah. like I didn't even really hardly play Blitz this week. If I got Ooh. on, I was just opening up. My free loot boxes. So I didn't play a thing this week. Nothing oh, at all.
1: Oh, I, I want to add one more thing. So last night, I was supposed to posse up with a couple of my friends for Red Dead Online. And we used to do this like eight years ago when it came out, when my oldest was born, and like I could be up late at night. He slept like a World War One soldier, you know, in in the trenches where bombs are going off and like nothing wakes you up. You got your one hour sleep and you won't wake up. That's how he slept. So I could do pretty much whatever I wanted at night. Not so much anymore. Not with my youngest. I can't do that. I have to like whisper and like tippy toe around the house. God forbid there's a squeak somewhere, you know. So I was supposed to, we had like a a date, a play date set up where a couple of the guys were going to go online. We're going to, you know, roam around, you know, West Elizabeth and just you know have fun and read that online yeah right i got called into work last minute hey we need you to come in for a little bit we read this is really important can you can you i'm like okay how long do you need? like two hours yeah right <laughs> that's why my voice is like this I wasn't there for years so you know the specifics i'm not gonna talk about it too much on the podcast it doesn't matter but yeah that's my life folks <laughs> so yeah that's a bummer well is there anything else you want to say before we close this one up yep um by the time you hear this we're gonna have an excursion up for a game called bro force it is such i don't know i mean these type of games they don't do nothing for me at all but this excursion was such a funny excursion i had so much fun editing and like very little editing most of it was just laugh just really laughing so if you haven't checked it out check it out this is matt matt's work so he's also like busy everybody's busy but when he puts something out it's good so check it out it's kind of like the one that uh joshua did a couple of weeks back so have a gander let us know what you think. these are shorter excursions and if you're if you guys like it if you're like oh man this is really good then that gives us a little bit more leeway to make shorter excursions have a little bit more fun versus, you know, making it like you know, 5,000, 6,000 words. And a uh, big thank you to our Patreon supporters. Huge. Thank you. You make this all possible. And now that it's tax season, it's time to pay the taxes. So we'll see how much that all comes out to, but Hey, Patreon money is going to cover all that stuff, all the yeah, expenses sure. and taxes. So thank you so much. And uh, to our listeners and our community members and, you know, Yeah. Maybe somebody knows somebody at for access that can put in a good word. <laughs> hey guys, ExplorMinate, you know, you know them, you work with them from time to time. Send them some keys for a gathering storm because this week, like every YouTuber I follow has stuff and small ones too. St- people that are not bigger than Explominate have stuff. And it's like, I can't even get an email response. And I'm like, what did, what happened? What did I do last time? I'm like looking through all my emails to see if I accidentally, you know, mistyped something. And I don't know. Nothing. So, yeah, we're back to that again. But that's it. Just big thank you. Thank you for listening. Let us know how the show sounds with our sick voices and tired voices. And if it's, you know, if, if this quarter is working out, I think that's it. I'm done. I'm out. I'm done.
0: All right. Well, we would like to thank everybody for joining us on this episode. We really enjoyed having you here with us. This has been Troy and Nate for Explorminate. Take care, everyone. See ya.